We're so excited to have you here with us today. You may be seated. At this time, and I cannot expel my two daughters who were my guest speakers two years ago, and it's my great joy to have both of them here today. And I want them to come up and greet you this morning. Don't they look pretty and they didn't know they were dressing alike? This was by accident. You know, when we were little, you used to dress us as twins everywhere we went. People thought we were twins. We're only 13 months apart, and I'm the oldest. But hey, pretty cute. (laughs) And because my hair color, Mama never let me wear pink. I had to wear blue, and you got to wear pink. I made up for it, though. I... <laughs> Did you want us to tell something about... Okay, so real quick, um, I don't know how many of you are like me. You love Christmas with a passion. My sister? I don't. I don't you don't either? Oh, good. And I married someone who doesn't like it either, so we're perfect together. I'm the Grinch, but go ahead. And I'm Elf, so... I love Christmas, but no, I was just going to say, we have little traditions. Um, the whole family comes to my house on Christmas Eve, which is also my dad's birthday. So we have this tradition where we give dad a special moment for his birthday. It's all about him and his presents are wrapped in birthday paper, not Christmas paper. So he gets like two hours of you're the greatest. And then it's all about us. You know, we, we switched to Christmas. <laughs> But I was just going to tell you, I yeah. feel worse for Vicky. Her birthday's the day after Christmas. And people Let's, are like, we've already celebrated. <laughs> Let's all say we love you, Vicky. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so just real quick, I always give my dad a birthday cake from a bakery, not handmade. It's a bakery cake. He doesn't like it. He hates those cakes. And every year he goes, sis, you know I don't like cakes. I'm like... I'll keep exactly. it here. I'll keep the cake. I'll take it off your hands every year. He do, she does it just for herself. Like she gets the cake. And my dad is so sweet and kind that he does, I call it the obligatory bite. Is that how you say it? Obligation bite. He takes a little bite for her and I'm like, see, he didn't like it. And I say, I'll take it, daddy. Okay. Real quick, another thing that we do is, because I love Christmas so much, and she has so many kids for me to buy for, I I do like, she has like a whole house, you know, I don't know, like a dozen, something like that. Half a dozen. So I I give them creative gifts, you know, like, um, they all like cash because they're all older now, they just want money, but I don't just give them cash. So it might be a gigantic box, and they're like, Aunt Terry, what is this? And then it's a little bitty Whataburger gift card inside. <laughs> or I'll get uh, one nephew, I said, it, he had to open up this big present, and I, it's a little note in there said, your gift is in the refrigerator. So he goes to the freezer, and it's Tupperware with money in there, frozen, and I said, here's some cold, hard cash. <laughs> Just creative, you know? You never know what her gifts are going to be. So when we were little, we um, used to perform for the family at Christmas time. And we, we had, I, I was Elvis, and I had a costume, and my sister was the fan. So I would um, throw scarves and kiss her and whatever. And 
our family would laugh and they would let us perform. Well, as we got older, we got cooler and we didn't do those things. But mom and grandma had asked us to perform for the family one year. So we're preteens by this point. We're like, we're too cool for this. No, mom, we don't want to do, girls, come on, y'all are so funny. Everybody loves to you see y'all skits. And I said, okay, we'll do one. So we get up, we do one. The, the crowd roars with laughter. They think we're hilarious. So Terry and I are like, hey, we'll do another one for you. So we do another skit. They all start laughing, then you can tell. We got carried away. Yeah. And we just kept going and going and going. It wasn't, it wasn't funny anymore. It wasn't funny. And then people started leaving. Like, like they, everyone was gone except gone. our grandma. My grandma. <laughs> And Grandma was like, good job, girls. I don't think we've performed since then. That was the last time. But, Mom, I was telling Terry, maybe I should bring out the Elvis costume for Christmas this year. Because I still have it, and I can fit in it. So, And she's going to be the fan. So, Anyways, y'all have a great day today. Oh, I knew you would enjoy them. They are... Laughter a minute when we're together. And I'm not going to tell you which one's the funniest because they're both equal, in my opinion. And they tell me I'm funny, even though I don't see that side of me. But they, they say I am. So it's a joy and a delight to have you here today. And on a more solemn note, we'll start the service where my portion, and then we have the great honor in just a few minutes to hear Miss Carla Porter. And let me introduce her right now to you. And just to let you know, she's my favorite female minister. Always has been for, I guess, 30, 40, 50 years. You want me to keep adding the numbers to it or not? No, I won't do that. But Carla has always been an inspiration to so many You know, she still pastors in Kenya. She still has her orphanage there. She still has her school there. And she does four-hour Zoom meetings so many times a week with all of her people that uh, continue to run everything there for her. So today we have the great honor and privilege of hearing her minister. And as soon as I'm finished, then uh, she will come up and take this platform, okay? Christmas. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. It's not some of my children's favorite time of the year, but it's my favorite time of the year. It always has been from the time I was a little girl. I have loved Christmas. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, and I think Nikki read this earlier, that in the fullness of time, Mary brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Every year around Christmas time, as we've just already sang today, Silent Night and Away in a Manger, some of the most well-known Christmas carols. But what was the time of the Savior's birth really like? Was it a silent night? And have you ever stopped to think what a manger is? Or what are swaddling clothes? Everything in Scripture is included for a purpose. If you don't write anything down, write that down today. Everything in scripture is included for a purpose. Every person and every place in scripture has a meaning. 
The Bible tells us that on the night Jesus was born, an angel appeared to announce the Savior's birth to a group of shepherds who were tending their flocks in Bethlehem. There were many shepherds at that time in Israel. So exactly why did God choose to make such a heavenly announcement to this particular group of shepherds and not another group of shepherds? Was there something special about these shepherds? For some reason, the angel appeared to them and not to the other shepherds. Was this just a random appearance? Or was there a reason why that certain group received a historical divine announcement? Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks. By night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I love just reading that verse, my goodness. And near Bethlehem, in an ancient field, where shepherds at that time of Christ's birth commonly watched over their flocks, 2,000 years later, that ancient field is still called the shepherd's field. It's in memory of the shepherds who first heard the angelic announcement of Jesus' birth. There is a long-held tradition that the shepherds in that area bred and raised sheep to be offered as lambs without blemish for the temple sacrifices, particularly during the Passover. The Jewish historian Josephus wrote that every year, approximately, listen at this number, 260,000 lambs were sacrificed in the temple at Jerusalem during Passover. 260 lambs without blemish were offered during sacrifice. Jewish regulations required the sacrificial lambs to be born near Jerusalem so they could be easily transported there for sacrifice. For this reason, special groups of shepherds under rabbinical administrative care bred and raised their lambs in the fields near Bethlehem because it was so close to Jerusalem to be used for the temple sacrifices. Because sacrificial lambs were to be offered to God, they had to meet strict legal and religious standards. To meet these requirements, shepherds under rabbinical care bred and raised the sheep and strictly in these controlled environments. And at the time of the newborn lamb's birth, every male was inspected to ensure it was without defect because lambs offered at the time of Passover had to be lambs without blemish. Shepherds in the region of Bethlehem who are under the special rabbinical care are charged to maintain a ceremonial clean stable. And the stables were the caves all around Jerusalem. All around Bethlehem, I mean. They were clean. They were inspected. They were looked after. 
The uh, mangers were hewn out of rock in those caves and they were washed and ceremonial made clean for these little lambs that would be wrapped in swaddling cloths and put in those mangers. Then the, uh, and it was also to protect the little lambs, their legs from injury. So the shepherds would place the newborn lambs in and stone feeding troughs called a manger until a temple priest came to inspect them and declare them to be without blemish and therefore fit to be used as sacrificial lambs. They were holy to the Lord and the shepherds keeping watch over them understood that they were watching over something that was so holy, set apart, temple sheep that were to be sacrificed to the great God Jehovah in the temple. Luke 2, 9 says, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone about them and they were so afraid. Notice at this point, only one angel appeared to the shepherds. The uh, translation is a sudden surprising and glorious appearance of a divine being that has taken them off guard. And the word glory is the word that describes splendor and the weighty presence of God. The shepherds had been never seen an angel and were probably shocked and speechless at what was taking place in front of them. The angel was ecstatic with joy over the announcement about to be made to these shepherds. The word behold could be inter- interpreted as look upon this with intensity and earnestness. I bring you great tidings, good tidings of good joy, of great joy. And the word good tidings pictures the best news anyone has ever heard. Think about that. The angel saying, I'm bringing you the best news anyone has ever heard. The angel then added, Luke 2.11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. This means that by the time the angel appeared to the shepherds to make the announcement that Jesus' birth had already taken place in the city of David in Bethlehem, which was just a short distance from where this event was taking place in the shepherd's field. The angel announces Jesus as the Savior. The word Savior means deliverer, healer, protector, and preserver. This announcement made it clear that Christ came to set mankind free from the dominion of Satan's rule on the earth. With this name, the angel declared that Jesus would bring saving power, delivering power, healing power, protecting power, and preserving power to all who would trust in him. Secondly, the angel announced that Jesus was the Christ. The name Christ means the anointed one. And in the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah, the angel declared that Jesus was the anointed one and that he was the Messiah. Third, the angel calls Jesus the Lord. In the original Greek, the name Lord means the absolute Lord over all. It is the identical word used for Jehovah in the Greek version of the Old Testament. Then the angel declared that Jesus was Jehovah in the flesh, and there was no higher authority or power in all of the universe than Jesus Christ. 
no greater power in all of the universe than Jesus Christ. Luke 2, 12, the angel told the shepherds, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. A newborn baby wrapped in swaddling clothes was the sign or the verification for the shepherds that they had found the Savior. Just as the shepherds wrapped little sacrificial lambs in swaddling clothes to protect them and help them remain without blemish so they could be offered as temple sacrifices, Christ appeared as the lamb without blemish, without spot in 1 Peter 1.19. And years later when, oh, this gets me excited right here. When... Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized. John 1.29 tells us that John the Baptist declared, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And I have read, and I truly believe, John the Baptist truly was spiritually the high priest. And he was, he was the one who made the announcements. You all have been told Caiaphas was the high priest. Caiaphas was elected and appointed by the Roman government to be the high priest. But it was John the Baptist from his lineage who was the high priest. And he was the one who stood at that Jordan River and declared Jesus the sacrificial lamb who would take away the sin of the world. Ooh, does that just thrill you through and through? That just gives me goosebumps through and through. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb so that he opened not his mouth. Just think he fulfilled down to the very jot and tittle. His little body, Mary, wrapped his little body, his little legs, his little arms, his little torso in that swaddling cloth. And he was laid in that manger. And those shepherds chosen by the rabbinical priesthood came and looked upon baby Jesus, who would be the final sacrifice for all of mankind. Oh, glory to God. I don't know what that does for you, but that thrills me from my head down to my toes. That something as simple, his little body wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in that hewn out manger in the rock, he fulfilled God's word down to the dot and to the tittle. Oh, what a glorious God we serve. I have a tissue. Thank you, sweetheart. So John the Baptist was the official and the right and the correct high priest who had the spiritual authority to declare and and announce Jesus was the Lamb of God. The glorious coming of our Savior into the world is truly remarkable. The way in which he came and to those whom he first revealed himself are so significant. Jesus... The anointed Christ, God in the flesh, the supreme Lord of all. He didn't hide his purpose for his coming. 
Glory to God. From the moment of his birth, he was presented to the world as the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world to take away the penalty of man's sin. And when the angel finished delivering this heavenly announcement to all the shepherds, Luke 2, 13 through 14 says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. If today you're experiencing turmoil in your life, if there are areas in your life to where you're agitated, you're fretful, you're unhappy, you're sad, you're disappointed, things in life haven't come out or turned out the way you want them, then today Jesus can be your Prince of Peace. He came as our Prince of Peace. He is here today as your Prince of Peace. He lives inside of you. If Jesus lives inside of you, then peace lives inside of you. And what you've got to do is just begin praying in your heavenly language and pulling on that peace that's down on the inside of you. God does not intend for you to live a day of strife and turmoil and being unhappy and fretful and agitated, but tap into what truly belongs to you today, which is peace. Peace belongs to you. So can you imagine what the shepherds witnessed that historical night? First, they were dazzled by a beam of light that suddenly shone on them. Then a single angel appeared to announce the birth of Jesus. But after that, an incalculable number of heavenly angels that were dressed like mighty soldiers materialized in the heaven above them. These angels were dressed like a mighty army, the scripture says, like the armies of heaven. Why did this massive army of heavenly angels appear at the birth of Jesus? First Timothy 3.16 tells us, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, and received up into glory. This is the great mystery manifest in the flesh, the incarnation of God made flesh. How that Jesus stripped himself of all of his heavenly divine privileges and came and was birthed by a woman so that he could walk this earth and experience what we experience and so that he could conquer all things for us, that through him we are victorious. Glory to God. Jesus divested himself of his glorious appearance in heaven as God, and in humility clothed himself in human flesh, the form of a servant. Philippians 2, 7 says, to save mankind. Glory to God. To save mankind. Paul states in Philippians 2, 5 by saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. God wants us to have the same mind that was demonstrated in Jesus. This means that as Jesus was willing to go to this incredible distance to reach us, we must have the same willingness to go the distance and for this well-being of others. 
We've got to extend ourselves out to others. That little baby in Bethlehem was the eternal, ever-existent God Almighty who dressed himself in human flesh so that he could dwell among men and purchase our salvation on the cross as the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world and render its punishment powerless. So we now become his example. We now become his hand extended. We now become his heart given to the world. So as he is, so are we in this world, the scripture says. So start giving yourself away on a daily basis. Uh, John 4, 17 says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus in him in this world. We live like Jesus in him in this world. Just as he is, so are we in this world. Jesus gave his life. We are to give our life and love to others. And the end of our lives, we all come down to a few important questions. How well did we love? How well did you forgive? Did you show up when you could? Did you reach out when you could? Did you impact people with big doses of God's grace and love? Or just share uh, with them the mistakes that you've made. No, you have to share the love of God with them. He covers your mistakes. Life isn't about arriving at heaven with no scars or no mistakes, a flawless, perfect life. It's about taking every scar, every mistake, every painful thing that you've walked through and letting God redeem it with love and being a light of grace to the people that are around you. Lord, I want to be a life of love. That's what we must say daily. Lord, I want to be, want my life to be a life of love. Help me to love people the way you love them, especially people right in front of me, like my husband, my children, my family, and close friends of our of us and our church and our staff and the strangers and the prodigals and those that are far off. Lord, I want to leave a legacy of love. And sometimes love is just showing up, just being there, just saying, I see you and I'm praying for you. You are not alone. So I want you to stand up right now. And I want you, I'm a stickler for this. I believe in hugs. Four hugs for survival, eight hugs for maintenance, 12 hugs for growth, a day, a day. You have to have four hugs for survival, eight hugs for maintenance, 12 hugs for growth. Hallelujah. Those of you who are watching online, get up and hug the people that are in the room with you. This pertains to you as well. This is medicine to our flesh. Oh, how sweet. Thank you. All right.
Hallelujah. This is a beautiful sight, a beautiful sight. Okay, ladies, if I can get us all to go back to our seats. Everyone, please go back to your seats. If I can settle us down. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Please be seated. Everyone, please be seated and we'll continue. Well, let me tell you what you've just done. You've just lowered your blood pressure. You've just increased the hormone oxytocin in your body. So now you're in good stead.